Okay. Hi, everyone. This is Anne-Marie Lockhart at Fox Poetica's 15 Minutes of Poetry. And I'm speaking with um, Cassie Primo-Steele, who is one of our most preferred writers because she writes prolifically and beautifully, and um, we can't wait to hear every next thing she does. Cassie, thank you for joining me on this day after Thanksgiving. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this new book we're putting out together. So the book is now um, in its final pre-release excitement phase. And um, we've been working on it for a little while, so we know everything there is to know about it, but our, our listeners do not as of yet. So why don't you give us a quick thumbnail of what Tongues and Trees is? The title comes from a quote from Shakespeare, and I fell in love with this quote um, because I love trees, um, and I started thinking about all of the poems that I had previously published over the course of my life that hadn't been collected into one volume, kind of on one tree, uh, so to speak. So... Um, at the beginning of this year, I began to collect those and put them into order chronologically. And I started to see a pattern there, a pattern and a progression that led to the most recent poems that I had been writing. Um, and so the book goes from 1994 to 2017. The first third is 1994 to 2004. So um, there are dozens of poems that had been published in individual journals and anthologies, but never in book form. And so we have 10 years of those early poems. And then the next 10 years are 2006 to 2016. So you kind of see a middle passage in my writing. And then the last third of the book is filled with all new poems from this year. Why don't you read us something from the first section of the book? Sure. I actually love to start with the first poem, which is called Well. Well, here we are, swapping secrets like jewels in foggy alleyways, Shiny currency buys the knowing well, going deeper to the water, flowing currents below frozen ground, quenching thirst so well. Done daily like prayer, we press our lips against the words, gently giving well. I think that poem is going to feel familiar to a lot of your readers who have read your work over the years um, because it has it embodies a lot of the qualities you bring to writing, an interest in the natural world, in symbolism, in, in interrelationship um, being big themes of yours. Um, what I'm curious about, maybe in your words, what might surprise some of your long-term readers about this collection? I think that uh, what might surprise readers and what also surprised me is that there is kind of, as in the poem well, um, 
a frozen ground that quench quenches the thirst so well and this frozen ground is a toughness a hardness a strength that has always been there kind of like a fractal pattern in my poetry um, but it's hard to see when you're really close up and you're maybe only looking at one poem and so pulling back and seeing uh, all of these poems together, you can see the larger pattern of, uh, I would maybe even go so far as to say the ice, the knife edge uh, aspect to my work. Mm. I, I agree with that. And I think that there's um, a very strong identification with the female warrior uh, in, mm. in this collection, which I think um, will initially surprise readers, but then we'll actually, they'll become very comfortable with that idea because like you said, that has always been there in your writing. It might not have been the first thing they noticed about it. Particularly you know, in your work on motherhood, I think that element has been an, an understructure for so much of what you've done. Um, but it really comes through here in a way that I think will be will be interesting for people. I think so. It reminds me um, actually back in the early 90s, I was volunteering at a family shelter for people who were homeless. And I had a very good friend, Chris, who was working with me at the time. And we were talking about the work that we do. And I said, um, I wonder why more people don't do work like this. Um, is it that, you know, they're, they're not, they're cold somehow to go back to the image of ice. And she said, no, they're usually not strong enough. And so I think sometimes that we forget how being vulnerable and being nurturing and being caring and being giving all those things that we associate with the feminine what what is underneath that is an incredible strength because if you didn't have the strength you wouldn't be able to give so generously yeah yeah and in our in our very um polarized world will we see we see a lot of oppositional forces it's hard to understand where elements of the male and the female converge strong and the weak converge all the things that we like to keep on opposite sides of the spectrum toward one another um, right. you have always explored that space and used language that um, many people would overtly associate with the feminine and working in realms that are associated with the feminine but but underneath it all is this connection piece so, and I don't, I can't think of any of your poems that I've read that haven't in some way reinforced the idea of connection and universality and, and um, contact, you know, how much of what you do is intentional in that regard or how much of that is just kind of um, directed maybe without your, your oversight? I think there's a little bit of both. Um, most of the poems are not written for a specific audience. Uh, most of them um, 
were written originally just handwritten in my journal uh, because I, I felt a rhythm coming on, I guess is the best way to say it. And then I connected words to that rhythm. And then sometimes it's years, sometimes a decade before uh, I rework the poem and send it out for the public. So I think I'm thinking of maybe a deeper self that needs to hear what I have to say. Um, someone that I'm growing into maybe. Um, and although I, I in, this is how honey runs, which is the first book that I did with unbound content. Those poems were written specifically for people um, that I was working with in writing coaching. And then in Wednesday, those were co-created with friends on Facebook. Um, but the other works that I've done with you, particularly pomegranate papers, those are very private, intimate poems. Um, and the, the, I would say the ones in here are, even though they're also very public and, uh, political. They didn't start out that way. They started out just me kind of listening to the rhythm of what wanted to be said. Yeah, I, I, um, I would agree with that. And I, and I think we've, we've done a few, so many books together now that we, we can look at each of those in their own right, as well as where they, where they kind of draw upon each other, um, which kind of makes it a little more fun. Even speaking of fun, what what poems in this book were the most fun for you to write? Uh, there's one right in the middle. It's actually kind of um, it's on page 88 of page of 155 pages. So I'm not really good <laughs> at math, but that's right in the middle. And it's called Begun in Love. And um, it's laid out over two pages. Um, and it was fun to play with form in that the poem is about breaking out of old forms and um, what is and is not in a form. Um, so I think that was really fun. And I'll go ahead and read it if that's okay. Yeah, please. Begun in love. May night, dark breeze flies through the screen. Candle glows, tea cold, blanket from Germany, wrapped around my thighs. And I am not this or that. Just as this is not exactly night, but the final rest before the morning dawns a day that will end with my daughter and mother and woman lover with me on the land where the trees and creek have sheltered me. I have called this home. It is not this or that. It is the green turning earth that swells with the tides of our birth and connects to the blood in me, the sea of what I am worth. This round world, this body, this mother-daughter journey, begun in love, resting through the night in love, like grasses that cry dewdrops until the morning and let the birds drink from their tears, 
All love is wet and small and giving like this. It is this and that. Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> and I also like the way it's a different it's a different form for you, even visually, um, as well as um, melodically. Mm-hmm. I, I think I we want, want to pin things down all the time, the thisness yeah. of life. And yeah. um and poetry goes beyond, you know, neither this nor that, this and that. It it unifies rather than divides. And connects in ways that are not always visible to the eye, right? Mm-hmm. I and mean, that's the other thing we are constantly deep. It's discovering anew when we when we share these words. I think um, every every book that you've done has has brought some reaction from people that you probably couldn't have couldn't have expected. What is the most unexpected um, response someone has had to your work? I don't know. There's probably a thousand things that would leap to mind there, but. It was a long time ago, but I remember someone that my mom worked with said to her, I wouldn't let my daughter talk like that. (laughs) (laughs) And I think um, that what poets do is talk like that, say things that you're not going to hear other places. Um, We kind of... Things that you may not be ready to hear maybe too. Yeah, yeah. I think we we have an allegiance to the emotional truth. Um, During my readings, often people will cry uh, when I read the poems. And um, I think that's good. I think, you know, when we cry, there's spirit that's that's coming up to to talk to us. Now... As much as we've talked here and other times about the male-female dynamic in, in the world at large and in individual lives and in the way people box out expectations of one another, and the way that you navigate that space as a writer, um, how have men reacted to your work over the years? Oh, I think actually they love it. I think there's... Um a tenderness that they can connect to in it, which goes back to what we were saying before, that that um, there's feminine inside the masculine and masculine inside the feminine. And really, um, you know, thanks to the work of many people, we're starting to see gender not as a binary. Um, and so... Yeah, they may not cry in public <laughs> when they hear it, but I think they touch, they're touched by it. I know um, many of your greatest cheerleaders have been men along the way, and that's, that's an encouraging thing to see, too. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, what, what about this collection was the most challenging thing as you assembled it, as we went through it and kind of curated the pieces and, and decided what stayed, what went. What, what was one of the most difficult things for you? There were 
poems that were written early in the year, either um, before the inauguration or after the Women's March, that were so full of uh, fear that I, I worried that maybe they would be too much for people. Um, but then just put them in anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very layered book. And I think nobody will be surprised by that because that's something people have definitely come to expect by your work. What would you say to somebody experiencing your poetry for the first time in this collection? One thing that people often say to me is that they can get my poetry. Uh, I tend not to make it uh, on the surface very complex. And I think that even people who don't read a lot of poetry might pick this up and find this something that they can follow. Um, each poem is a little bit like a painting or a song. It takes place in a single moment and people can share the emotion, the imagery and the rhythm of that work um, and allow it to kind of reverberate with them afterwards. Um, you don't have to have a dictionary nearby or um, feel like you have to um, pretend to be anyone other than you are when you read it. I have used one of your poems from um, This Is How Honey Runs for um, a workshop that I do with women who are cancer patients. And... I've actually used a few of those poems um, in the, in those workshops to to get this group of ladies who do not consider themselves writers to open themselves to the experience of writing. And I think what has surprised the women in that room is how listening to your encouragement in the poetic form um, really do kind of help them relax a little bit and express something that they almost didn't even realize that they felt. Mm. And I think that's something you do so well. In, and, and I don't think it, it's narrowed to just the works um, that are creative musings. I think it's, it's all of your work. And it's what you just said. You allow people an access point, not only into um, what you're conveying, but elements within themselves that they weren't really focused on. And I think that's one of the things that makes people really relate to the things that you write mm -hmm. in ways that they might not be able to verbalize to you when, when they discuss it. Um, read us something from this year's work that's in the, the third part of the book, please. This poem, Trust, I think is along the same lines of this. It, it um, I guess you would consider it um, one of those poems where I speak directly to the reader maybe um, sharing wisdom. And I was thinking about the word trust, particularly financially. Um, do we leave a trust for our children? Do we have 
a trust for our retirement, that sort of thing. Trust. Trust is a handshake with your own hands. You let go of the rope you are holding or hanging from and begin to put one palm into another palm. Pay yourself first with the soft money of your own skin. Take out an insurance policy on the voice within. Coin by coin, drop your worth into the jar of your heart and feel the equity begin. You are not a commodity. You are kith and kin. I think... Particularly now um, in the United States, there is such uncertainty um, and we're seeing more and more how um, the people who hold great wealth also uh, seemingly hold great power politically and socially. And I think that that this is actually kind of a revolutionary poem um, that says there's there's always something worth more than money. Um, and no matter what is in your trust, there is an emotional trust that you can have with yourself that will make you truly wealthy uh, beyond anything that can be bought. Mm -hmm. it, um, that's as, as, as almost um, every other piece in this collection is very considering how long ago some of these were written, they're all very timely poems, um, which is another <laughs> remarkable thing, considering the progression um, that your work took to get to this place, how very, very timely it all is. And every poem that you, you selected for inclusion here and um, placed where you placed it within the context of the, the manuscript is the right poem for this, time in that order. It's um, very hard to do that, I think. Sometimes sometimes we are not in the moment the same way that the rest of the world feels like it is, too. <laughs> yes, and I've definitely experienced that, too. No, but this felt like, felt urgent. It felt <laughs> like it needed to be done now, and um, particularly... Um, before the end of the year so that people could have kind of a roadmap for the year to come. We are awaiting just a look at the final print copy of the book before we release it to the public. Um, and we expect that to be a any minute now kind of a situation. The fun of this is that it's, when it goes live, it's really happening live like, uh, like we are kind of <laughs> right now. That's so right. I, I want to know, um, I want our readers to know where they're going to be able to see. We don't have dates and things, but we have generic ideas for where you're going to be over the next several months, places that we're, we know you're going to get to, places we're trying to get to, places we're still working out the details for, but let, a, let everybody know where you're going to be, where they can kind of seek you out. I will make a radius around... Um my home base in Columbia, South Carolina. So that will include Atlanta and Asheville, North Carolina and Charleston, South Carolina. And then um, going up the East Coast to Washington, D.C., the New York, 
New Jersey area. And then there will also be in the summer a trip out to Oklahoma City. And um, one of the fun ways that I'm doing this book tour is with house readings. I did that also with the pomegranate papers and it worked really well. So if you would like to invite about 10 of your friends over and have a private reading at your home and have me bring um, books in case people are interested in getting a copy, let me know and um, we can work that out. I think um, that's one of the ways to best experience this book and, and a lot of your other work in general, but it's the intimacy of those small gatherings that makes it um, a little bit more intense. And people want to talk, people want to share and tell yeah. their own stories. And that's, that's a way that they can do that. Yeah. And, and, and every poem in this collection lends itself to further discussion. So that's the mm -hmm. other part that's fun for when you start to read from this collection and out and about in the world, getting the way people respond to it incorporated into this conversation. Can I finish with one that is a really good one for this um, season between Thanksgiving and the new year when everyone goes a little nuts? <laughs> Please. <laughs> it's called Here. What if there is nothing to wait for? Not that there is nothing, but that it's already here. That happiness you hope for, here. That sign you look for, here. The peace you search for, here, here, here. Listen to the three chirps of the cardinal in the tree right there. His song is all you need, here, here here that was the perfect meditation for the uh, day after thanksgiving heading into the um, madness that is about to unleash on us all in this black friday which is a concept i can't wrap my head around <laughs> Kathy, thank you so much for being with us today Thank you, Anne-Marie. It's always great to talk to you. And thank you for all the work that you put into this book. You have gone above and beyond. And it's just really a beautiful work of art. It is an exquisite work of art. And I'm proud to have it on the Unbound Content Bookshelf. I will be getting more word out to different people via all of our social media channels. Um, about where they can find you in the months ahead. And uh, looking forward to placing this book out into the world. This has been yet another wonderful midwifery experience for me. Thank you so Happy. much. Have a great day. Okay. Readers, have a great day. Listeners, have a great day. Thanks for listening.